What are you even trying to achieve with your various outreach projects? This is a question I've been asked a number of times, especially of late with the bylaw stuff happening in Calgary. And it's the question I'm going to be tackling today. Stay tuned. Hi, folks. My name is Cam. I am the host of the Pro-Life Guys podcast, a show dedicated to equipping you with the tools that you need to change minds, save lives, and transform our culture. Thanks a ton for tuning in. And for all of our um, return guests, thanks a ton even more. Holy cow, a whole bunch of tons um, for bearing with me. It has been a couple of weeks since our last episode. I apologize. It has been like six weeks since I've recorded an episode. Um, and Maddie Halleck, our wonderful producer and editor, can attest to that. I just did the intro like 14 times uh, trying to get the recording because it's been so long. It has been an absolute wild ride here in CSPR's Calgary office. Over the last while, uh, we have had so many cool things happen um, and so many busy things happen, and it's just going to get even busier over the summer. So I do very much appreciate it. I want to start just by sharing a little bit of what we've had on the go, not to try to justify myself, but just to give you an inside look as to what we have on the go at CSPR and what you can be a part of as well. I'm going to see if Maddie Halleck can put in a little like jump. I, I know that, that can't really happen on Spotify or most of your podcatchers, but on YouTube, at the very least, you guys might get saved there um, from hearing me babble about all the cool stuff that we've been doing, what we have coming down the tube. But in brief, I want to talk about a few different things that we've been doing. So um even to trace back so time of recording we're on may 23rd right now I, I don't know if i'm supposed to do that as a podcast to tell you when i'm recording this um but may 23rd and over the last two months we have hosted a crash course in calgary that my colleague Britt and kwana had a huge hand in hosting it was great justina van manen author of stuck complete guide to answering tough questions about abortion um, was able to join for that it was really cool to get a bunch of people I think we had 16 or so people from calgary um, and around. We had a, a fella come down all the way from Fort St. John. We had some people come out from Chilliwack. Um, we had a number of other people drive in for it from various other places. And it was really cool. And they did a phenomenal job. It was a three-day crash course. And so they got a bunch of not only introductory level apologetics, but they also got some pro-life strategy. And um, they got lots of activism experience. We did a couple of our choice chain displays where we hold three foot by four foot images, um, either of naturally developing ultrasound images of children um, or else abortion victim photography. We did them actually in the Plus 15 network, which is the indoor above ground network in Calgary. We did a, one of those. We did some door knocking and it was really cool. Really cool to see a bunch of people who had never really done pro-life outreach before sink their teeth into pro-life outreach. We did a similar um, event in Kelowna as well. We did um, an event in Kelowna at the beginning of May, um, a Friday, Saturday, just a 24-hour, what we call a 24-hour crash course, Friday night, all day, Saturday. That was really neat. My colleague Jeff Owen has been working with community groups in the Okanagan Valley there in Kamloops, Saminar, Kelowna, and Vernon. Um, to bring that together, again, we had 15 or 16 people um, come out. Uh, I believe that we had 11 of them join for door knocking on the Saturday. It was an absolute blast. We had some really neat conversations. We talked to one um, young guy who who actually um, put aside his video game to have come and have a conversation with us. He was probably senior high. Uh, maybe early university kind of thing ended up changing his mind on abortion is really cool in Kelowna. And then we've had our internship start. I am blessed to be a part of two internships here in Calgary. My colleague Alex is running our traditional four month internship, which has already gotten going. Um, 
And I am working with my colleague Kwayana again on a return internship that we have for lovely ladies um, who have all done internships before. Join us again. They're doing a little bit of admin work related to the logistics of the new internship, but they're also following up with a ton of other pro-life contacts, many of whom we got from the March for Life. I know many of you would have attended various marches for life over the last couple of weeks here. Um, I We've recorded full episodes on the value of marches, how they fit into the greater pro-life kind of ecosystem and whatnot. So I won't dive into it significantly here, but I really want to give a shout out to the Alberta March for Life Association. Um, put on not only a, an excellent march, but also really expanded it. So this was the 15th anniversary of launching the Alberta March for Life. Uh, which is a, a great initiative, making it far more accessible. I know that many people certainly have the Ottawa March for Life as a bucket list item. I, I'm sure that many people tuning in from the stage for other countries around the world probably have their, their capital kind of circled on the calendar for when a March for Life happens. I think this really opens up the accessibility for people who simply can't make their way all the way from Alberta to Ottawa. Um, for those of you who are living in Europe, um, not to poke fun, but it, it's difficult to comprehend the distance between Calgary and Ottawa. I think that it, it's somewhat comparable of like Madrid to St. Petersburg sort of thing, all the way from Spain to Russia. Um, so it's a bit of a haul. And so it's been really neat to, to have a more local option that we can attend. And this year, the March for Life really expanded. So they did a a Wednesday evening, the evening before the March for Life, they did um, Alex Schadenberg from the Euthanasia Prevention Coalition of Canada, a fellow that I'm hoping to have as a guest on the show because he did an absolute banger of a talk, not only before the march, but also during the march. Um, and so they did the talk the night before, they did the march the day of, they had a couple of church services around that. And then I had the privilege of not only speaking during the March for Life in Edmonton, but also offering a workshop for around 30 people um, after the March for Life, equipping them with the tools that we talk about on the show every, every I was going to say every week, but <laughs> whenever I've got time, unfortunately. Um, and then they hosted their first ever Rose Dinner afterwards, which was was an absolute blast networking with other people in the Alberta pro-life community. And so big shout out to them. And so it's been a, a very busy couple of weeks here. Our interns are following up on just over a hundred contacts that we received during the March for Life of people who wanted um, to receive either individual or small group training on how to have good conversations. I know my colleagues, um, Jacob and Rachel in Vancouver also had a great experience at the Victoria March for Life, and they got almost 100 contacts on there as well that Rachel's diligently following up on. Um, and we hosted our Toronto March for Life, um, Blaze Elaine and the Eastern staff hosting that um, in the Toronto area. So it has been an absolute whirlwind of a month. We've got an incredible crew of interns here in Calgary. I've never, I haven't met, I don't think, any of the Toronto interns, but I can only imagine how wonderful they are as well. And so all that to say, we have an awful lot going on. And as I alluded to, we have an awful lot more coming down the tube. As some of you may have heard or seen on our various socials, uh, we are doing a Faces of Abortion tour across Canada. We have two legs of the tour. Our Eastern internship team is going to be starting out in the Maritimes and making their way this way. Uh, we're going to be going out to... Um, Regina. We're going to be going to the West Coast, Victoria, Vancouver. We're going to spend a bunch of time in the Okanagan as well. And so we've got a bunch of tour stops on the go. And we are looking for more places to host tour stops. I know that we're late in the game here. Um, out here in Alberta, we're, we're still scheduling tour stops into August as well. I'm going to be doing a lot of speaking in September, October. And so if you would like to have a talk at your church, at your pro-life group, we'd love you to reach out um, and be a part of this Faces Tour. And what is the Faces Tour? Well, 
in in the words of Dr. Monica Miller, and I'm going to paraphrase this, um, that that there's something not only special but powerful of a human connection face to face. And this was a major theme that that um, Alex Schattenberg shared about with regards to euthanasia as well of of the power of human connection and face to face. And for many people. Abortion is not a personal issue. It's an abstract idea, even for us pro-lifers. This is something that, thankfully, for many of us, hasn't hit close to home. I know there are many people who are involved in the pro-life movement, very good friends of mine even, who have had abortions, and this does hit very close to home. But for many people, and I I think it's fair to say for the majority of people even involved in the pro-life movement, this doesn't hit incredibly close to home. And I think that's one of the reasons why so much of the work in the pro-life movement is done by so few people. Um, I, I know that I'm preaching to the choir. Many of you listeners have been actively involved in the, in the pro-life movement for far longer than I have, for decades. And I, I think it, it bears questioning, why is it that so few people get involved in the pro-life movement? Because for some people, we think about it as being fatigue. Some people we think, okay, well, people are kind of fading out of the pro-life movement but that's our grandparents. That is our our grandparents who took this personally because they took this as an attack on their Canada. I think that for many people in my generation, I'm 33, uh, for people even younger than I, uh, many of whom are doing our internship, their peers, their, their colleagues, their classmates, they see this as a very far off issue, whereas many others have been made far more real for them. And so the focus of this tour is making abortion real in a whole new way and making this a personal fight, making it into something that we take personally, recognizing that these are children of God. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ who are being killed. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ who are um, participating in abortions, encouraging abortions, choosing abortion, and that I need to take that personally. If, If my biological brothers and sisters were choosing to do awful things or having awful things done to them, I would be far more active and involved. And I think that we've seen evidence of that over the last several years here, when we've seen those in our communities, those in our churches, and even in our homes who have been persecuted, when we see the tangible victims, we're far more willing to act. And so we need to make this more visual. And so this isn't necessarily a tour for people like you who are tuning in already. I, I would love to see many of you at the Western Talks. I'm sure that my colleagues Blaze and, and everyone else from the Eastern uh, part of the organization would love to see you at the Talks as well. This is a talk to bring your friends to. This is a talk to bring your family to, your coworkers, members of your church community, to really invigorate them that we have spoken to the choir for a very long time and the choir is already active. The choir is already doing a ton of stuff and we need to get more people, more hands on deck, more boots on the ground, more whatever metaphor you want to use. We need more people working to change minds and save lives and transform our culture. That's the goal of the podcast. That's the goal of this tour to get more hands on deck, to build conviction, to build action. And so you can find more about that on our socials. I know that I'm 10 minutes in already and I haven't even gotten into the core content, but I really want you to check that out. Check on our socials. There's there's um, information as to where we're doing tour stops. And like I said, if you'd like us to come to your community, if you want help building up your local initiative, if you want to get more people fired up to defend lives, to change minds, save lives and transform culture, then hit us up. Either go to the Pro-Life Guys website, www.prolifeguys.com, go to endthekilling.ca, go to any number of other um, URLs. I'll drop them all in the in the um, discussion below. Um, with that, let's dive into the real meat and potatoes, believe it or not, of the episode. Here we are, almost 12 minutes in now. Um, 
of the episode. And I'm going to be cards on the, on, on the table, hard on my sleeve. This is something that's been gnawing at me a lot over the last couple of weeks. And this is kind of going to be an episode from the heart and not so much an episode from my notebook. I, I took a few short notes on this just because I wanted to organize my thoughts, but it's something I've been brewing on for a really long time. And it's come to a head over the last two weeks by two I don't want to call them incidents, but but two events that that didn't really shake me up. It really, yeah, kind of, I don't know, did shake me up. So one is, as some people here in Canada, maybe even those abroad would know, um, there's a concerted effort to censor pro-life speech, particularly the pro-life speech of CCBR in Canada. There's a group called the uh, Viewer Discretion Le- Legislative Coalition or something like that, VDLC, um, who's working really hard to censor our message. They're, literally their motto is so you don't have to see. And we've spoken at length about the importance of viewing the images, making this personal. I literally just talked about this like two minutes ago. Um, and I, I went to a council meeting. So the city of Calgary, unfortunately, just passed a bylaw. They, they expedited it through to make sure that we can't deliver our postcards door to door without them being in an opaque envelope with a super obnoxious warning on them and basically guaranteeing that nobody's going to open them. And so that was really frustrating. And I was at a council meeting and I spoke on behalf of the organization, just saying, you know what, um, not only is this unconstitutional um, to ban speech based on content, um, this is something that's been defended. We've been very willing to work with um, reasonable guidelines before. Obviously, our postcard has gone through a number of different renditions to make it um a better fit, more effective on a number of ways. Um, Not only is it unconstitutional, but we have good reason for what we're doing because we see all too many people who are broken because of abortion. I have personally spoken to hundreds, if not thousands of people who have had abortions themselves or, or know somebody very near and dear to them that have had abortions. Um, And I've seen the brokenness that this brings into people's lives. And after after I spoke, and obviously there's a number of people who spoke in favor of the bylaw, and the bylaw, unfortunately, as I mentioned, um, ended up passing. This young fella kind of came up to me. I did an interview with with Global News. Um, I'll, I'll drop the link in below can, so that you can see the narrative that's being spun. Um, this young fella came up to me, and I, I met him before at a previous council meeting. And uh, to put it plainly, he had the audacity to basically just say like, what are you even doing? What are you trying to achieve with these projects? Because all you're doing is horrifying people. All you're doing is shaming and guilting people. There, there's no reason to be doing this. And and he wouldn't hear any of the other apologetics that, that we've talked through, why abortion victim photography makes sense, as I had in a previous episode. Again, I'll link that one below. And so it got me thinking, like, do people genuinely not know what we're trying to achieve? Like, do people actually think if, if they've spent any nugget of time talking to any number of our volunteers, our interns, our staff members, the, the, literally the sweetest people that you are ever going to meet, you think that the kind of people who end up holding these signs, the kind of people that um, Hollywood is going to um, kind of stereotype and whatnot, these super like mean and aggressive people, like come meet our team. Our, our team, again, I know that I'm speaking to the choir, are literally the sweetest people that I've ever met. Um, and and they're absolutely lovely human beings in every way. And and like, straight up, I am one of the more like um, combative people in our team. And I, I don't know, maybe I am um, in general, but I, I wouldn't necessarily characterize myself as super um, combative. And and even people who might come across that way. I mean, I'm going to throw them not under the bus, but, but a little expose on Jonathan Van Maren, a great friend of mine. 
Um, he, he puts up something of a tough front. Jonathan, I love you, buddy, if you're listening right now. Um, but he puts up something of a tough front. You see him doing activism. The guy has not only an absolute heart of gold, he's a huge teddy bear. Like, like the guy absolutely loves people coming by. And, and this guy, you could take so many notes from him on how he talks to people who are vulnerable, who are in compromised situations. I have seen him talk to students at high schools, at universities, and just like absolutely be there for him. Even the people that come across as a little bit more abrasive maybe than than some others, when they turn on their activism heart, um, and, and what I would argue is actually the real heart, uh, not that Jonathan's so funny, I'm putting my foot in my mouth, whatever, you can deal with it. Um, people are absolute gems. And so that was the first experience that really got me thinking on this. The second one was an even harder one. So we were out doing one of our choice chain displays in downtown Calgary, um, middle of last week. And I was out with not only a couple of our new interns, but also a couple of our more experienced interns, the return interns that I mentioned, um, absolute hearts of gold. And two of them spoke to a young woman and a couple of her friends, her friends didn't say anything. Um, and, and it brought them to tears and it brought me to tears um, on the drive back after hearing exactly what had gone on. And our, our whole team was just really shaken. And it got me thinking as well that this woman um, tragically had been a victim of um, human exploitation and, and human trafficking. She had been um, violently abused and assaulted on a number of occasions, and she had had multiple abortions through that experience until she was able to escape. And And she vented a lot of that anger and brokenness on uh, particularly two of our team members and it broke their hearts and and i think that it it was the most appropriate response for for their hearts to be broken it broke my heart to hear about it i know that it broke the hearts of of all of our team members i debriefed with with several of them after our standard debrief after the activism and, and they were really shaken up and, and just what could we have done differently what what could we have said what could we have said to the the poor girls who kind of took the the verbal berating from this young woman who was simply letting off steam from the brokenness that she had experienced and these two Two experiences really gotten me thinking, and here, here's what I came up with of, of why do we do what we do? Obviously, on the most basic level, we do what we do to change hearts and minds on abortion. We recognize that literally the weakest, most vulnerable members of the human family are being torn apart um, day after day in our nation. There's no, no pretty way of putting that. There's no... Um, aesthetically pleasing. There's, there's no polite way of talking about abortion. Abortion directly and intentionally kills the weakest, most vulnerable members of the human family who have been widowed and, and abandoned um, or by, orphaned by, by everybody in their lives, by those biologically connected with them, but I would say even more so by our society at large. And we are trying to change hearts and minds on this issue so that people don't have abortions. We are first and foremost future focused. We recognize that everyone is pre-abortive and that every one of us, myself, you, your friend, your family member, everybody in your sphere of influence, everybody in my sphere of influence could be involved in an abortion decision or um, a challenging pregnancy decision in the future. And so we all need to have our hearts and minds changed towards the pro-life worldview that we can't solve these problems by killing people. And so I think that's obviously the, the first most natural, and I'm sure that comes to mind for everybody, that, that we are future focused. We're trying to prevent abortions from happening by changing hearts and minds before people even become pregnant. 
I think that on a on a second level, obviously, we're trying to reach the broken. We're trying to reach those who have been broken through the abortion decision, through trauma that they have experienced. We're trying to reach them and invite them and inspire them and empower them to access hope and healing. Um, this has been a major theme of the show over the last six months here. If you're new to the show, please do scroll back and look through a number of our past episodes where I talked to um, post-abortive um, leaders, those who are leading post-board of healing ministries. It's been a major focus of the Pro-Life Guys podcast over the last little bit here that after we have focused on the future, we want to find hope and healing with these people who have brokenness in their past. We want to draw them towards different ministries, different churches, different programs, which can help them heal after abortion. Because all too often, as we've talked about in previous episodes, um, the, the woundedness gets bottled up and the pressure increases, increases, increases. It it fractures the rest of people's lives. It sends shockwaves through their own life, but also through all of the relationships that they have. I want to help these people find hope and healing after abortion um, because we genuinely care about these moms and dads who have been in these situations, who felt like they didn't have another option, who felt like this was the only thing that they could do or their best option. We want them to, yes, obviously, as I mentioned, the, the first thing, realize that we need to find better options, that we need to choose better choices, that we need to um, protect life. We need, we need to defend these weak and vulnerable children. And then once they've accepted that, they need to find hope and healing because they are not doomed to a life of misery and distress and guilt and shame because of the choices that they've made, but rather there's tremendous hope and healing available. And so that's level two. And I think that that's where a lot of people kind of stop their line of thinking. These last two experiences and a few others that I won't mention just for the sake of brevity, um, that, that really stands out to me is like, in some ways, we're just trying to get people to care. We're just trying to get people to care about their fellow human beings. That the number of times I've had the quote, am I my brother's keeper, thrown at me facetiously or very really. It's alarming how many people throw that to me of like, do you really think that I'm a, my brother's keeper? Do you think that I actually have to care about my neighbor? It's, it's alarming how often, I know that we talk in the podcast about trotting out the toddler. It's alarming how many times we have to reiterate the toddler analogy. So like, no, 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 like for real though, you wouldn't kill that toddler. Would you like, no, 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 for real though. If, if your neighbor was abusing their child, wouldn't you do something like if, if you don't have the stones or, or the courage, whatever, to <laughs> excuse my language, but like if you don't have the courage to, to intercede and, and protect the weak and vulnerable yourself, at the very least empower and, and enable other people to do so, so often what we're trying to do is just get people to care. And it breaks my heart, especially when the people questioning that are the ones who've been broken themselves. This, this young woman who came and talked to a couple of our team members I I just think about the number of people who streamed right by our display and think about abortion as this quick fix, that we're in this culture of not giving people the time they need, nor the time they deserve, that we are in this for, you know what, I don't have time to care about anybody else. What can I do? What is the quickest way of getting this person's petition off of my plate? What is the quickest, most efficient way of getting my neighbor out of my eyesight and letting me get on with my life? When did getting on with our lives get so driven by the blinders of just economic success and everything? I know that I'm, I, I'm freewheeling right now. I apologize. I'm sure that I'm contradicting myself in previous episodes. I'm sure some of you are shaking your head at me right now. But like, it just blows my mind and it breaks my heart when 
there's so many people in our society that just do not give a crap about anybody else around them. And I feel like that's a huge part of what we're trying to do. That's a huge part of what we're trying to do in our conversations. We're just trying to get them to care, not only about the preborn have on our side that we're desperately trying to get them to want to protect, but even to care about the person beside them, the person on the bus, the person in the cubicle beside them, wherever they may be, literally at times, even people in their own family, just trying to get them to care. I remember a conversation that I was having um, while door knocking. Uh, my uh, volunteer of ours, Stephen, was with me. I'm sure that I've shared this on the podcast before, but there's this guy that like literally told me that he couldn't care less about whether or not somebody was in a bad situation. And I broke it down further and further of like, dude, if, if the difference between your neighbor having an abortion and not having an abortion was you being willing to cut their lawn once a week, would you do it? And he thought about it for a moment. He's like, yeah, I, I could do that. Like, I, I don't mind mowing lawns. And like, that has stood out to me as something that I've been talking to people more and more of like, seriously, people in your life, if all they need is an extra meal, if all they need is somebody to babysit their two born kids while they go off to their next ultrasound um, for an hour, if they need somebody to literally come and have coffee with them because they feel so alone and isolated, if they don't have their parents in the picture and they just need somebody to teach them how to, what kind of diapers to buy? Like, are we going Huggies? We're going Pampers? Like, I just need somebody to soundboard off of. I need somebody to come shopping with me at, at Once Upon a Child or some other um, kind of used clothing store for, for maternity clothes or for children's clothes or whatever. I just need somebody in my life. Like, we have lost this entire attitude, this entire culture of encounter and human connection. And... I think that that's something that we in the pro-life movement have to be leaders in bringing back. And I know that there's already a lot on our plates. And I, I'm not saying that you need to befriend every single person that you talk to and take them into your home. And, and like, I get that our hearts are only so big. I get that our homes are only so large. And yet I, I recognize and I've seen this play out thousands of times. The, the sparkle that returns to somebody's eyes and, and their eyes maybe have been dull for years or decades or even just hours. The sparkle that returns them when they realize that we genuinely care about them, that we actually care about them and what, what they care about and we care about them and, and them making good decisions and, and the best things for their lives and helping out when we can. Um, I, I know that we can't take the whole world on our shoulders. You're going to get burnt out if you do. But I, I just challenge you to not only think on that, like obviously you guys are already doing that, I'm sure, in your own life, but like when people challenge you on that, whether it's for the pro-life issue, whether it's for stuff related to your church or other ministries that you're involved in, just ponder and reflect upon the importance of human connection and actually caring about our fellow people, actually caring about the people who live on our blocks, who live on our streets. That was the main thrust of the, the speech that I gave during the March for Life. It was only a, a three or four minute um, a little speech, but it, it was basically we need to be better neighbors and, and that we need to model better neighbors. And I, I could go down a whole bunch of Hollywood kind of things and talk about paying it forward and all that kind of stuff. But like when you take it seriously, we need to inspire other people to take it seriously, that, that they're going to know what we believe in by what we do. And but it's going to take more than that. We can't just model being good neighbors. We have to actually challenge people to be better neighbors and actually care about the people around them and actually be willing to, to check in on their like biological geographical neighbors and also those in their communities in need. And so 
that's a long cam rant. I apologize for those of you who bore through that and like cam that that was like the worst sermon I've ever heard. Not that this was trying to be a sermon, but like what was your actual point? I apologize for bearing with me. It was just something I needed to get off my chest. And so I hope that that can offer you a little bit of perspective as well. When people challenge you on like, why are you even doing what you're doing? Sure, go through the the main two big ones of we're trying to change hearts and minds so the babies aren't killed by abortion. We're trying to um, open the eyes of those who've been wounded by abortion to the hope and healing that's available. But also we're just trying to get people to care. We're trying to get people to care about an issue that is raging in our country and about those who are thrown into the center of it, not only the preborn children, but the mothers and fathers who are abandoned by their culture, by their society, by their families, at times even by their churches. We're just trying to get people to care about the people around them. Some people need their care and intervention and support more than others. Um, others um, need whatever we can give. And so bear that in mind. Again, please do check out our socials um, for how you can get in, plugged into our Faces of Abortion tour. Um, hit us up on YouTube, email me, email at, um, at email at prolifeguys.com. I'll drop all of the ways to, to communicate. If you want to get plugged in with our Faces of Abortion tour, then please do so. If you want to line up a presentation at your church, at your pro-life community, at your high school, whatever it may be, um, please reach out and we will find a way to make it happen. So thanks so much. Thanks for bearing with me. I hope to have more regular episodes coming out um, in the coming weeks here as well. I appreciate your patience and please do keep us, um, the whole team at CSPR and the, the whole pro-life movement in your prayers. Thanks so much. May God bless you abundantly wherever you're at, how many hours are left in your day. Mm -hmm.